0: We are nature. There is no separation. 99% of the elements within a star are the same elements within our human body. So it's in a different configuration. We all know the periodic table. There's six basic elements, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur. That makes up 99% of all living organisms. You, me, everyone else. And then even our like genetic blueprint, like you and me are like 99.9% genetically the same. They're like the 0011 percent You know, difference is the reason why there's male or female, different color tones, things like that. It's just the biggest illusion in the world is the illusion of separation.
1: Today, I'm talking nerdy with Rory Callahan about the necessity of connection and fostering a deeper level of self-care. In this conversation, we're diving into the paradox between becoming sovereign in your self-care journey while simultaneously needing community and connection How to navigate making decisions in a time of informational overwhelm, the importance of connection to nature and facilitating greater well-being, and what gets in the way of creating those deeper relationships with others and something bigger than yourself. Rory Callahan is an author, speaker, health futurist, digital nomad, and allied health professional based in Bali, Indonesia, the island of the gods. He takes a big-picture approach to good health and well-being and has a passion for helping people ignite their human potential and optimize this once-in-a-lifetime human experience. Before we dive into this episode, we're going to take some time for a little nerd alert. If you have been thinking about joining my upcoming round of Yoga Nidra teacher training, we begin online January 17th, and the last day to sign up is today, January 10th, 2024. If you've never heard that word yoga nidra before, it's a Sanskrit word that loosely translates to yogic sleep. In this practice, you'll teach your body how to fall asleep while your mind remains alert, attentive, relaxed, but focused. In doing so, you enable your brain to drop into the hypnagogic state, this twilight zone between being asleep and being awake, where you'll have greater access to alpha and theta brainwave prominences, and subsequently the subconscious and unconscious mind. By the end of this teacher training, you'll have a full understanding of the practice and the skill set necessary to successfully guide yourself and others through it. Because one-on-one feedback from me and live attendance is such a critical component of this training, space is going to be limited. To learn more and save your spot, you can click the link in the show notes or visit alexnashton.com slash training. That's alexnashton.com slash training. Last but not least, if you have been listening to Talk Nerdy to Me and have found this information to be helpful, I would love it if you could hit pause and leave this episode a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Rory Callahan. I am so excited to have you on because this episode is going to be airing just a few weeks after the new year when everybody's kind of getting into that slump where they forget about their resolutions and stop taking care of themselves to the degree that they did. The first week of January, and you are such an expert in the realm of self care. You literally wrote the book about it. So I don't think that this interview could come at a more perfect time. And I'm so grateful that you've come on to talk nerdy to me today.
0: Let's do it. I'm like going down rabbit holes and yeah, having curious conversations. So I'm really, yeah, I'm excited to see where this one goes.
1: So I wanted to begin just by asking you to share with listeners a little bit more about your personal and professional experience in the realm of self-care? Was there ever a rock-bottom moment that you had or a wake-up call that you had that really encouraged you to start caring for yourself more deeply on a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual level?
0: I think the answer for all of us is yes. I don't know if anyone's read Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, but that is a really powerful book for me just to give me like a a context that like every eight or nine years I evolve and adapt into more of me you know so you know zero to eight was me living in Fremantle and you know learning to be a kid and figure out what I loved in the world and you know obviously very supported by the community of Perth and Fremantle and football communities and school and teachers and family and like my single mom and my brother and then like eight to 16 is where maturity happens and hormones and pimples and you know, identity starts to develop and that's where, you know, I I really figured out things that I I, I really love. At the end of that journey, like almost getting ready to leave home and I remember I finished my year 12 exams and I'd done like calculus and physics and chemistry and all these topics I was just curious about at a young age and I remember mum asked me one really beautiful question which was, you know, before I like became a lawyer or an engineer because I thought I had to do that to make money or a doctor or something like that, she's like, what makes you happy? You know, and I was really curious about the human body. I was playing Australian football and, you know, I wanted to learn how to perform better. So, you know, I chose to go down sports science and physiotherapy. So I finished, I finished that. And that was kind of like the start of the real identity. And most people don't get asked that question until they're like 50, right? Like what makes you happy? And they've gone and done business and all these other things like, man, this never really lit me up. So I was lucky to have a mum that had traveled the world and, you know, knew to ask me the right question at the right time. And it's also, it's a really beautiful moment for me to ask your audience, what really makes you happy? It's like that John Lennon question, you know, like not what do you do? Where does time stand still? What are you passionate about? What do you think about when no one else is in the road? Where does time stand still? What are you naturally drawn towards? Where's that curiosity just continually take you? And for some people it's dancing or art or other things, you know, so it's all unique. And then I guess the 16 to 24 was, you know, I left home. So I found a lot of independence. I think having a single mom. It was actually more viable for me to live out home than it was. So I imagine if I had a lot of comfort, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have left. I never would have spread my wings so early. But you know, it's double edged sword because you know I was living on like fifty dollars a week, washing dishes, and going to uni and trying to study, and it forced me to be kind of sovereign at a young age and self regulate. And obviously, growing up in Australia, the first three years of uni was kind of like just a party, really. Before I you know finished that and I had a, a beautiful mentor that you know she's like man there's there's, there's more to this and she kind of connected me up with the masters of physio degree and you know I didn't have the money to pay for it so she got all that sorted through like funding so like you know government and things like that and then you know 2022 20, 23 like I finished my masters degree. and then that was the introduction into the working world and you know that got me to 24 so this is like three 8 year cycles and then like the next 8 year cycle was the biggest one because At around 25, 26, I burnt out with my dream job. You know, I had a scholarship to go to the AIS and work with Olympic athletes. I've kind of like done the thing, worked in teams, worked with sports doctors, nutritionists, and I really loved that environment of having four or five people there to support one person's performance at a higher level but i also learned the medical system working like intensive care units and neuro wards that we also had a team when someone had a head injury and had to get them back to just feeling normal again right so i've always seen as a, a team approach to health and health care but i feel like that got lost and a lot of us got stuck trying to do it by ourselves and i'm sure a lot of people in the health industry can relate to burning out because a bad system will beat a good person every day of the week so that was this fourth cycle is where you know i really hit rock bottom and that was my pain point that was am I happy? Am I healthy? Am I connected? And I said no to all three things. And then that started a two-year journey of actually being in the medical system as a health professional, trying to earn my health back. And then that's where I spent you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, I jumped between the best of the best. And I met doctors that were overweight, trying to put me on blood pressure medication, relationship coaches that weren't in relationships. And I just saw this huge disconnect. And even myself, I'm like, man, I'm a health professional, but I can't even get out of bed in the morning. I haven't been to the gym in like two weeks. I haven't been on a surf trip in four years. So I wasn't actually living the truth that I was teaching others. And I could see that that was mirroring in their results too. So I spent two years running that process and getting back to being the best person I could be. And then that's where the book download came. After building a business and creating freedom, partnering with another health and wellness company in like the nutritional world, that allowed me to work remotely. I then, you know, had one to two years and enough resources to be still. So I stayed in that uncomfort until, um, until, until yeah, I got bored. And then when I got bored, the universe was like, stay. And I was like, I didn't know why it said stay, but it was just unraveling, like all this busyness from the previous 26, 27 years. And then I had a, like a five-week period where the download for the book came, which was literally just everything I'd experienced and learned and extracting DNA onto a stick, like dissecting human bodies, working with athletes, working with people in intensive care, you know, seeing two people with the same problem, have completely different pathways, one getting better, one not getting better. And then, you know, I just created this beautiful framework about the 12 medicines, the fill your cup model. And then that started like an eight year journey of learning how to write a book, which, you know, I nearly failed English literature at school, you know, so I never thought that would be a thing for me. You know, my grandma was terrible. I didn't even know what like a noun or a pronoun or Verbal, you know, like I just wanted to write and express, and this was the thing that came through, and that gets me to where we are today, which is 34. I kind of launched the book; that was the end of a really big cycle, and then I spent the last two years weeding the garden, and it's almost like everything burns down to then Phoenix kind of rises out of that with this, you know, new identity. So I've got like a completely blank canvas for 2024, and yeah, it's a powerful place to be, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, especially after the pandemic and all the other stuff that was circumstances outside of our control. So yeah, that's my story in a nutshell from from birth until now. Don't know if that helps.
1: It's super helpful. And there's so much gold in what you just shared that I I really want to go back to. And, And one of the things that I think is important to touch on is this kind of paradox between becoming sovereign in our journey for greater health in any facet of our lives and this deep need for connection. Because I so... Identify with much of what you shared in terms of needing to get out of the house at a really young age. You know, I left my parents' house when I was 17 and moved to New York City. The listeners of this podcast already know that about me. And so I feel like for me, what that inspired in me was this hyper independence, which was so necessary and so important. And I've always been such an advocate for my own health, well being. Like I've always kind of run to the beat of my own drum and what i'm also seeing in myself now is the way in which that's kept me isolated. and so my my word for 2024 is family and like really stepping back into community connection, fostering deeper relationships. and yeah, i would just love to hear your thoughts on that kind of paradox between needing to be self-sufficient and really advocating for our own health journey, physical, mental, emotional while also really needing other people to be a part of that process.
0: The only way I could describe it, I'm sure everyone's watched, you know, The Hobbit or, you know, Lord of the Rings and like Frodo, you know, he's in this environment, this, you know, 100 kilometer radius of where he was born for 25, 26 years of his life. And then all of a sudden, he has his calling to go on this adventure, which is like the hero's adventure. I can use that framework because I think a lot of people relate to it, but you know, and then he goes off and, you know, he's into the unknown and uh, out of comfort, out of safety. And it's like in this process, he meets all these different characters and these different people and he learns all these lessons. He has his trials and tribulations, you know, he, as he goes through that, he sees the world as a whole beyond the fish pond that he was born in. And I feel like a lot of us are too scared to ever leave the comfort of where we were born and the unknown or the uncomfortability is the thing that keeps on contracting us back to where we are. So... I feel like it's such a necessary part is to have that even like a bird in a nest that has to spread its wings or a butterfly coming out of coon you know like there's always this moment where we have to like set ourselves free and run our own path which will be synchronous and different to everyone else like we're all just walking each other home anyway right you know in a more spiritual sense we're born from a similar source when we leave this world we go back to the ground we you know, our little elements are redistributed into something else, and then you know, life in its continuity keeps on, keeps on doing what it's doing. It's just this really beautiful process of being supported, finding our own independence and identity, but then realizing that we never got here alone. And then we come back to that after a period of hyper independence, like ego pride, and you know, we have to like do it ourselves. And then we realize that that was never it. So then it comes back to a point of connection and community this we mentality more than me mentality if you look at all the longevity hotspots in the world it's the foundation is connection and community and you know there's people that always leave but they always come back and family is more than blood you know so it's just finding that connection and those kindred souls along the journey but you know at some stage you will come home and i did that last year and i like i finished the book and i shared it with my friends and family i'm like this is everything i learned in eight years you know it just becomes an ongoing process of all of us doing it in different ways But the key is like, yes, like independence and sovereignty, but interdependence and community and connection is the elixir of longevity and happiness and health. And no one wants to watch a sunset by themselves. You know, you don't want to get to 80 and, you know, be in a room by yourself. So no, there's so much to it.
1: Absolutely. What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles that prevent people from dropping more deeply into community and fostering the kinds of relationships that are really important to living along and happy and meaningful life?
0: Well, I think when we're kids, we trust so openly. And when I was four, I'd go and hug strangers. And then I was taught that that was not the right thing to do, but I still kept doing it anyway. But I think a lot of people succumb to these cultural, societal beliefs and fears, and then we lose the essence of who we are as as human beings. You know, we're born to connect, even from an evolutionary standpoint. The way that we evolved in the societies we have today is because we learn to work as communities and look after each other and share resources. And I feel like we're coming back to that. But I feel like the world in the last hundred years, maybe with industrialization, computers, technology, even the way the work environments are like created into little boxes and houses are little cages. Most people don't even know their neighbor's names. And this is so true. Like even think about it for yourself. Who's your neighbor to your left? Who's your neighbor to your right? What's their name? What's their wife's name? What's their kid's name? Like What's their dog's name? Most people don't know. Whereas like 30, 40 years ago, like it was everyone kind of knew everyone and it was interconnected, but I feel like society and the systems that have been developed, they promote disconnection, they promote doing it alone. And there's a reason for that because it's very hard to be sovereign and to really thrive if people are locked into cages, you know, and they're isolated and disconnected from each other. You know, the pandemic is a great example of that. You know, you want to separate everyone, separate family members, create chaos, create, you know, disconnection from community it's like the exact opposite of health you know isolation disconnection and stress is the three biggest or the three worst predictors for health but somehow in a health pandemic that was the common common strategy and people like me are sitting there and like you know this pain that we feel in the world the empathy the compassion we have is the thing that then drives us to create and it forced me to finish the book and i was like and it forced me to create something that had been ongoing for six to eight years because i'm like enough's enough and that's a way of like connecting with self, connecting with others, and also just sharing this message about connection, which I think is the core of everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the trend that I'm seeing is that everybody knows what your dog's name is, but they don't know what your name is. It's like we're very quick to... We're very quick to remember what the dogs are named, but in terms of actually connecting with other people, it seems like there's a little bit of a barrier.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's because we grew up trusting dogs have unconditional love, animals have unconditional love. They can't speak. We can't associate past stories, past narratives, past relationships to an animal. So it's so easy to love something, even if it, you know, is scared or. You know, even if it's like a bit mangy or something, it's like there's a level of humanity in that. But I feel like we've lost that between each other. And I see this in a lot of my communities, like even with intimate relationships and family, there's so much conflict there. And I'm like, where did you forget? There's something that happened. There's an event. There's an experience. There's a belief that's there that somehow convinced you that your family is a threat or your partner is a threat or this is going to take away your freedom or like committing to something is going to disconnect you from yourself you're going to lose your independence and your hyper independence and this individuality and it's like actually no it's if we like break down all those beliefs it's like we're around the right people they'll be mirrors for us and if anything they'll hold us accountable to the true nature of ourselves and our true character which means tough love and real love and unconditional love but i think most of us are scared to be challenged because we're scared to have our stories challenged in one sense, because we want to live in this world and anything outside of that all of a sudden becomes a trigger and we become overly sensitive, you know? So yeah, that's how, that's how I feel about that.
1: And I feel like what that also fosters is a sense of blind reliance on people that we perceive as being in positions of power or positions of knowledge and knowingness. And I forget where I read this. It was in something that you've written, be it like ebook, your website, somewhere. But you said more information more experts leads to more problems and that when we're just kind of overwhelmed with information from external sources and not necessarily referencing ourselves it usually creates more issues for us so i'd love if you could speak a little bit more to what that part of the paradox entails in terms of self-advocacy and what that requires in this paradox of simultaneously needing more connection
0: it's such a big thing it's going to challenge everybody's ego like i had to have like an ego death over and over again you know i'm sitting there with a bachelor's degree a master's degree written a book on self-care like all this type of stuff and even i have moments where i'm like i'm not feeling in the way i know i can feel i have to go into my own internal kind of compass and my own internal guidance system like my own gps right And then I have to, like, self-reflect and then shift behaviors. And then I have to look to my environment, like, well, how do I end up here? You know, like, how do I get caught up in that? I have to look at, you know, the five people I spend the most time with. I have to look at where I'm based, you know, like, what's going on in the world to really figure out what's driving my feelings and then my thoughts and then my behaviors and then to go back again and, and also look at myself as a kid and, like, where did I learn that? Where did I learn to do this or that and when we like really sit back with that it's like most of our behaviors are learned kids are watching their parents so the best thing we can do as health professionals is to embody the message that we're hoping to share because people are watching they're learning through our behaviors more than our words so this this illusion of knowledge that's the ego that's the unhealthy masculine it's like yes i have got this level of like false confidence and, and certainty i was the same you know i was 25 i was like no this is the thing to do and then i'm like Holy shit, the Earth's been around for four and a half billion years and the universe is expansive, and like every star in the sky is another galaxy like ours. I'm like, we are just making shit up. No one actually knows, but we are this feeling being that thinks. And because we're like so overstimulated by thinking and like these external stimuluses, which we can tap out of any moment, we start to build these constructs of what we define success to be based on this illusion. The people you see on social media, like I try to be as authentic as I can. I'm like, yeah, here's my failures. Here's the things I learned. Yes, but this is also the lifestyle I'm living. Here's the people I met that changed my life. Today's a good day. Today's a shit day. I'm real. I can feel pain all the way through to like enlightenment in, in the same day and peace and harmony. I feel like a lot of us are just hiding, you know, those shallow parts of ourselves that we're hiding, we're suppressing emotions by just working or distracting ourselves or chasing primal needs wants and desires which are all conditioned by what we've been taught and i think a lot of us have lost that internal compass and health professionals are guilty for it too myself included so i feel like if you don't have someone that is embodying their message and they're not guiding you back to your own heart your own feelings your own intuition it knows what food is good for you and what food isn't it knows it feels better when you surf and you're out in nature you know what i mean you don't need like a 28 page pdf and a $1000 coaching call just to remember that you need something that reminds you of that and then a community of people that support that so that you can naturally just get that into your lifestyle and i feel like that's going to be the future of health is very much creating community of like like minded people and also those people embodying their message and then bringing a family member along if a mom changes her habits she changes what she puts on on the table for the kids if she loses 20 kilos and her husband's 120 kilos, he's going to be like, shit, I'm going to lose my wife if if I don't like get on top of my health too. She's going there, I've got to go with her, you know what I mean? Or vice versa, maybe not, but it's inspiration through action. So I feel like that's, that's the solution. I think the problem is a lot of misinformation and a lot of false confidence and unconscious incompetence. Even my doctor friends not knowing what they don't know. The amount of them that didn't stand up against the intervention over the last three years. One, because they couldn't. And two, because they were like taught to believe this narrative, that this fixes all of that. And I'm like, man, there's 380 trillion viruses in and on our body. You know, the guy that invented the test said we can find anything in anyone, but still like just because of that wall of ignorance and, you know, the livelihood of what that represents to money and status and safety for the family, people were willing to turn a blind eye to that at the expense of everyone else. So yeah, it's multi-layered, multi-faceted, but it's shifting slowly.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I want to go back to this idea of unconscious incompetence, because something that you mentioned also earlier in what you just said is this idea of when we're kind of first waking up and wanting to change, there's a greater level of self-understanding that occurs, right? We become aware of the belief systems that we have in place that keep us stuck and keep us limited in how we've been thinking, how we've been feeling, how we've been behaving. And what I've seen in myself and in so many of my clients is that awareness is, of course, the very important first step to actually catalyzing change. And just having knowledge isn't enough because, as you mentioned, we are feeling beings that think, not the other way around. So I would love if you could share with listeners what you think the next step is after we've become aware of the fact that the belief systems that we have in place are not sufficient?
0: Well, I think the thing that everyone is resisting is pain. The first step is to keep doing the thing that you know isn't working until you hit like a breaking point. And then that's when you wake up. Pain is a beautiful motivator, like trauma to triumph, pain to purpose. Everything in my life has been when I've hit the depths of this human experience in some way, like mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. And all it does is when I hit those points, it's a signal that I'm heading in the wrong direction. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like I had my dream job and I left my dream job to change path because I just I wasn't happy, I wasn't healthy and I wasn't connected. If I'm running a business and it's not abundant and it's not actually helping people, I've stopped businesses before because I'm like, it's not working. It might be a really beautiful idea, but it's it's not working. So I have to like stop. And I, I might push that until my bank account's empty and then be like, oh shit, like I now actually have to stop. And I think after that point, and we got to be careful with this as well, because in our community, we can actually like, you know, I've noticed this with a lot of friends who have had certain like addictions, you know, which are just ways of numbing suppressed emotions and things like that. Right. And if the family and the community is around there and supporting and supporting and supporting, and it's like having four legs on a chair and it's like the three legs are falling out and the fourth one is about to fall out, but everyone's scared that, you know, they're going to do something that may not serve them. But actually it's like letting that fourth leg fall out puts them into a, Position of pain but they actually get to change if they haven't done it for five, 10 or 20 years. Now, on a smaller scale, sometimes we just fall down and pick ourselves back up, or we get that little whisper from the universe, or then we get the slap in the face, or then we get the fluffy baseball bat, which is sometimes, you know, maybe you lose a job, or maybe a relationship falls apart that you really valued, or something, you know. And these are the triggers that then guide us to the awareness where we then are open and we're not so ignorant, we're not so arrogant, we're not so unconsciously incompetent. We're now conscious which is like you know waking up and now we're curious and then from that point all of a sudden in front of us the solution has been there in plain sight the whole time but we now actually lean into it we start asking for support we ask for advice we start noticing people that are living in a way that aligns with what would feel good for us so we start listening to that person versus this person that's got the false confidence like well i don't want the relationship that you have parents family whatever so i'm not going to take relationship advice for you it's like doctor you're like you're overweight why am i going to take health advice from you but hang on a second this person over here is living that truth i'm going to start like leaning into that podcast into that book and being curious in that world and all of a sudden the solution just makes itself self-evident and then after awareness we then have to overcome all the negative emotions with action so most of us will stick in that shelf help podcast loop for 100 years nine years, maybe maybe five but you know, for me, like I remember being up to three AM on YouTube, going like Alan Watts to Deepak Chopra to this to that to all these functional medicine things, and I'd like I was probably spent six months just going down the rabbit holes. So and I'm sure people can relate to that. And it's like if you're in that loop, go as wide and as vast as you can until you hear the same message a hundred times, and then do that thing. That's where you break the loop. So that's that's what I would suggest.
1: Knowledge does not actually precipitate action we have to be willing to make choices and decisions. So if you're listening to this episode right now and you've listened to all of the 37 episodes previously and you haven't done anything differently, Talk Nerdy to Me homework from today is to actually make a choice and make a decision to do something differently, to make some sort of change. In my experience, the most painful part of changing any pattern is when you're in that season of being very much aware of what you've been doing and very much aware of the fact that it hasn't been working but you haven't yet actually changed your actions or your behaviors in any way and so I think that there's so much relief and so much peacefulness that comes with just knowing that you've done something even if it's not the thing that you stick with long term just trying something different I think can be so important and so helpful
0: sometimes doing nothing you know people forget like stillness and like stepping back and being a witness to your own situation like what like character you're playing in this life play is is so important you know and it's like i love that saying which is to know and to not yet do is to still not yet know there's more than enough information you know like jump on ai and ask for anything you basically get you know a five step process to xyz and like now it's getting more refined that it's actually becoming more on point but it's like you know, i put top 10 self-care habits in that system like six months ago and it came up with paracetamol ibuprofen and like all this other stuff i'm like i asked it about self-care but that was from the data from pre like 2020 so then you're just looking at a collective consciousness in that virtual world that had been populated and now it, i do that again and it's meditation you know breath work movement spending time in nature and it's starting to get populated with the things that actually create the change right I feel like that is such a big part of it. But definitely is doing something. And if you don't know what to do, just find a buddy that is doing it and just ask if you can come along for the ride for a minute. Find a community that is doing it and just immerse yourself. You know, if you know your environment doesn't serve you and that fish bond is toxic and polluted, just change environment. Go to an environment like Portugal or Bali or Costa Rica or Mexico and just immerse yourself in that environment and then you'll naturally pick up the habits of the people around you. Sometimes the choice might be buying a one-way ticket or something else.
1: Absolutely. I know that that's what my own experience has been in terms of traveling and buying many a one-way ticket. And I think what we forget sometimes is that our brains are constantly making associations between everything that we experience, our internal state, our emotional state, the thought patterns that we're perpetuating, the people that we're surrounding ourselves with, and literally our physical environment. The emotional state that we're in when we're at home is something that our brain is wiring to the stimulation of just being in that physical space. So I think one of the fastest ways to change our internal environment is actually to change our external, especially when it's going to a place that we've never been before. And having all of this novel stimulation externally, it kind of gives us this blank state internally to to have a little more freedom to choose. Without as much of the previous patterning and programming associated with the environment we we're previously in,
0: I can share openly about my last year. It was probably the hardest year I've ever had in my life, and it was really beautiful because like Bali is a very healing and nourishing environment. But a lot of people get stuck in this like they come here for like the adventure and the fun and the play and the lightness, and then it's like boom, like down into like depth and healing, and people get stuck in that healing loop because like wow, now I haven't felt emotions for a long time. Oh, my, my thoughts and beliefs. Now I've just met an 18-year-old that's making a million dollars a year by like working two hours a week. What the hell was I doing for the last 10 years, you know? And then it's, spiritually, it's like, wow, there's all these people that are like open to all these different things and different conversations. There's plant medicines and all these type of things, right? It can become quite challenging. But the beautiful thing about these type of environments is one that that full experience is available. And in the last year, I, you know, I got to experience... Two parents, one with mental health issues, one with cancer. Partner went through burnout. You know, I transitioned from finishing a book into a whole new identity. There's all the challenges at the end of the pandemic and like finances and business and all these things all at the same time. And I found that, you know, self care initially was looking after myself or being cared for actually by my community and my family growing up. Then I was learning how to look after myself so others never had to and I could actually be in a position to serve from a full cup. But then the third evolution of self care was being able to embody that in the depths of winter and then the heights of summer, you know, so in all the seasons and being able to look after myself so that I could look after the people that I cared about. And that was huge because capacity was just stretched. But to do that, I had to call on like nearly 50, 60 different mentors that I'd met along the way. I did for pasners to find stillness. I'd go and change environment for a month just to have time away from what I'd kind of like lent into standing by. And then I had moments of lightness where I'd go surf and dance and do things where like, you know, I'm like everything in moderation, including moderation, right? And like not caring so much about all the daily rituals and the rhythms and things like that, just living, like purely being present. And then I had moments of depth where I'd go and do like deeper work, even like breath work and, you know, deeper, deeper stuff, like really moving emotions and really re-scripting old narratives and letting things fall away and like letting go of this past self to allow for the new self to evolve i just want everyone to know like even though we put people on pedestals based on they've written a book or this that or the other it's like we're all the same and we're all going through the same journey over and over again just like slowly as the pressure in life comes it just refines us until all of a sudden we take the mask off we we don't need to be anything more than what we are we support people in a way that we want to be supported we treat people in the way that we would hope to be treated that's where the authenticity the essence comes and then from that place comes expression And like that's where everything then unfolds, right? But it's this continual process of stillness, you know, lightness and fun and then depth and playing that energetic game over our lifetime.
1: Absolutely. I want to go back to something that you said about nature and being connected to environment in that way, because that's something that I don't think any other guest has shared on this podcast so far. Can you speak a little bit more to why being in nature is an integral component of healing ourselves. I know it's such a basic question, but nobody else is really talking about this, at least not on this podcast.
0: Wow, that's crazy. We are nature. There is no separation. That's the first thing. And if like I need to go into quantum physics and teach people that like 99% of the elements within a star are the same elements within our human body, we can do that.
1: Can we do that?
0: Yeah. yeah. It's just in a different configuration. We all know the periodic table, right? There's six basic elements carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur. That makes up ninety-nine percent of all living organisms. You, me, everyone else. And then even our like genetic blueprint, like you and me are like 99.9% genetically the same. They're like the 0.011%, you know, difference is the reason why there's male or female, different color tones, things like that. It's just the biggest illusion in the world is the illusion of separation. So When I talk about nature, I'm not talking about trees or water or animals. I'm talking about the nature as a whole, you know, like everything from the atmosphere that permits gravity for us to like walk around on this planet and not get like sucked up. Everything from the oxygen that sustains us. That's like, you know, the most vital nutrient in the world. And this is why like breathwork and all these things are taking off because we've got a population that is so freaking stressed that their autonomic system isn't working. So they like shallow breathe. And then they've got no oxygen in their blood. So then all of a sudden their cells can't function. And they get tired, they get sick. Pranayama and like all these things from ancient philosophies like Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, is like, yeah, breath is life. And it's like, yeah, no shit. So why why do we have to pay like five thousand dollars to remember that? You know, why do we have to pay an extra dollar for a sustainable water bottle when You know we could just make different choices and actually plant a tree or actually connect to nature and have our own veggie patch or our own garden connect with animals have animals in the house a lot of modern houses don't have animals because you know they're dirty like where did we learn this stuff that we had disconnected from that or anything else concrete jungles and cities how can you basically destroy thousands of square meters of of land to put up these buildings and then like not keep the essence that keeps this species alive. And I love this quote by Dr. Jane Goodall. Here we stand, the most intelligent species on the earth, but we're the only species to destroy the natural ecosystem that sustains us. We are not the smartest species in 2024. If anything, it's the opposite. We think we're smart, but it's like we're destroying the very thing that sustains and supports us because of the illusion that we feel like we're disconnected from it. If I cut down that tree, that's not going to impact my family or your family. If I create a business that puts those chemicals into that ocean, into that soil, I don't see the impact beyond my generation or for future families. And this is where I think the mentality needs to change from like in this generation right now, we're planting seeds for trees that we may never sit under. Mentally, that's physically, that's metaphorically, that's even actually planting trees, you know, because that's the thing that's going to sustain life. The concept of nature is from the stars to the soil to the food we eat to the water we drink to the air we breathe it's just energy flowing from one state to another laws of thermodynamics you know know, energy cannot be created or destroyed it literally just moves from one state to another in our lifespan it might be 72 years maybe 85 100 if we're lucky we're born from a male and a female a woman we're created and then when we die we go to the soil and those elements redistribute back into the plants into into the animals and then we either eat the plants we eat the animals it's just like this ongoing process where we've never been separate from nature. So I don't know if that explained it in that metaphysical, biological sense, but that's that's how I see it these days.
1: Yeah, that's super helpful. And I think if we were to zoom out, it seems like the big picture theme of everything that we've talked about today is connection. It's connection to other people. It's connection to our environment. It's connection to every single other piece of what is happening on planet Earth and in the universe at this exact moment in time. And I so appreciate you sharing that with listeners.
0: No, you're welcome. And I said, like, you go back to that point uh, you said at the beginning, which is about connection, but all I'm doing is, like you said, knowledge, right? The more knowledge we have, the more kind of separate we become. You know, you look at any realm and it's like, no, the iPhone is better or the Android is better. Everything's creating separation. Even technology, the elements from that come from the soil. You know, so technology is an extension of nature. People don't even understand that the the laptop we're using is the extension of nature, just configured in a different way where we can do this. Right? All the things that have happened in the last maybe hundred years is like it started with like religions and belief systems and why we're here, and then separate, 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 separate. But we're all talking about the same thing. Even the religions, like common thread, which is in this divine source and treating people in a way that we can only hope to be treated. So when you chunk back up, we're all talking about the same thing. But when we start like separating and disconnecting it, it creates us versus them mentalities. And this is where the disconnect happens, this illusion of separation. This is where you know, I feel like my role is coming back to connection and a central point where everything is connected. And then from that point, we have different roles and different identities. And that's just our mental construct for for our reality, you know, and who we want to be in this lifetime. That's deep.
1: It's so deep, way deeper than I thought this conversation would go today. But I know that the listeners are going to get so much out of this because I know that I definitely have. And I want to ask you if somebody was listening right now and they wanted to learn more about you or from you, where is the best place for them to begin? Anything that you share right now is going to be in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I created a platform called selfcare.global So basically what I've done is that eight years writing the book and all this stuff that I'm sharing, my own curiosity, all the different mentors and all the frameworks, I'm just going to upload there. So obviously you can go get the book and have like a physical form, but I also understand that not everyone has access to that. So I'm just going to basically put it all on that platform in different formats, like videos, you know, if you're on Instagram, blogs, and you know, even find other ways to get it into parts of the world that don't have access to internet or phones or other things, but that's a journey for For another decade, I think.
1: Amazing. And if somebody wanted to work with you specifically, what are the options right now?
0: Well, I'm building a retreat space in Bali. So this year is focused on that. But each month I do work with 10 people, like one-on-one mentoring. So I love meeting them where they are and then leading them towards their own authentic expression. And, you know, that everything from like getting clear and aligned internally inner world and then external reality and future vision and then the first couple of steps, maybe towards you know learning how to coach, learning how to create the experience, maybe learning how to find the right partnerships. So, but whatever that is for you, not everyone wants to write a book, not everyone wants to build a retreat space. So they can go to rorycallahan.com. There's a little link there for one-on-one. But I think this year with building the retreat space and the team and really creating experiences after so many people working online, I feel like that's going to be my main focus. But always make time to work with ten people every month.
1: Amazing. Well, I can't wait to see that retreat space come to life and for the listeners to be able to come join us here in Bali and experience some of the magic here. And I always like to ask guests before we wrap up the interview if there was one final piece of wisdom that you wanted to share with listeners, what would it be?
0: What would the one piece of advice be? I feel like the overarching theme. Or the, the one message that has been so relevant this year and the biggest reminder is this ability to self-regulate and take full responsibility for who we are right now and knowing that we can change that in any moment. And then ultimately just to treat people in a way that we can only hope to be treated ourselves. And if for whatever reason we're getting conflict or blockages in our environment, then work on the inner world and then the outer world will change rather than placing the blame on other circumstances or people or jobs or anything like that. I think that's the one message that it's all in here. And if you need to take a minute to step back and just be still, you know, you'll get all the clarity you need.
1: Amazing. Thank you so, so much for coming on today, Rory, and talking nerdy to me. I'm really grateful for your time and your expertise. You're welcome. And before you go, just one quick super nerdy announcement, which is that my annual Neuroscience of Manifestation Masterclass is happening online Friday, January 12th, from 6 to 8.30 PM Pacific Standard Time. This is my signature workshop that I've led every single year for the last five years. And it's only $22. If you wanna learn more or save your spot, head to the link in the show notes and you can learn more there. If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Top Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.